to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. Wolves are trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow man, hoping we can make it better. All right, welcome to the Catch on Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, wait a minute, this doesn't sound like John Fisher. Nope, this is Gunnar Simonson. I'm here. John's going to be joining us here just shortly. But tonight we're going to we're going to have a great time. We're going to go all Portland on you, and uh, we're going to have a, a, a great uh, great guest, a good friend um, here from Portland. Um, and again. Uh, he's got a brand new, if you've been following us on Facebook or Twitter, um, even with email uh, blasts that we sent out, uh, our guest has a, a, just a, a new book called Aloof. And check this out. Check out this byline. I absolutely love this. Figuring out life with a God who hides. And so we are excited uh, to be, be able to dig into that a little bit today. And frankly, um, you know, let me tell you a little bit about uh, our guest, and then uh, I'm going to hope we're going to we're all going to hope together. I know he's waiting in the wings here right now, Tony. I see you in there, and uh, John will be getting with us right at the same time. We all come together, and we all have a, a great conversation. But I'm going to read a little bit from his website, give you an idea of who our guest is tonight, and then we'll bring uh, bring him in, and we'll just have a wonderful conversation. Uh, our, our guest is Tony Chris, uh, in, in from his website it says Tony hopes through words both written and spoken, to give people permission to authentically feel, speak, struggle, and to honestly express their faith-filled affections. Tony is husband to Amy, father to three courageous and creative boys, unofficial ambassador of his beloved Portland, and I would echo that. Thank you, Tony. We love Portland. Uh, maybe even ask you, Tony, when you come on here, what's so special about this place? He's devoted to his neighborhood, honored by his communal household, and a friend to the religious and irreligious alike. He has a doctorate of ministry and leadership and spiritual formation. And he teaches in colleges and universities around the country on topics of authentic faith, spiritual formation, cultural integration, cross-spiritual communication, and sacred friendship. And so we are excited uh, and honored uh, to have our, our dear friend uh, Tony on tonight. And uh, John's going to be joining us here in just a few moments. We're going to weave him in organically into the conversation. But uh, I want to welcome Tony to the podcast. Tony, are you there? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Tony, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good, buddy. How you doing? Doing great, man. This is awesome. John just joined us. You're on. Hey, man, let's go love on Fantastic. Portland right now. What do you think? <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> well, John just well, joined us. Tony, Tony just joined us. It's, uh, I'm going to turn it over. And, uh, you know, Tony, I want to ask you here real quickly before John, give John a few moments here to, to get set up. Um, thanks so much for joining us, uh, you know, Tony, on the show tonight. Um, what is so special about Portland? Maybe start with that. Yeah, so so if you're, if you're a hyper-local like I am, Portland is like one of the great cities organized by a series of neighborhoods. Each neighborhood has its own hub. It seems like every single one of those hubs, almost, you can live almost anywhere in the sort of urban center or urban area of the city, and it's within walking distance. You're going to have 
great, great local food, local vendors. We have the best food cart culture on the planet. You're probably going to have a music venue within walking distance of your house. You're definitely going to have one of the most beautiful parks you've ever seen within walking distance of your house. That is Portland. Wow. I love it. John, you got to get back up here. Hey, is this Yeah, the Chamber of Commerce pay you for that, Gunner? (laughs) (laughs) Today's podcast brought to you by the Portland Chamber of Commerce. (laughs) That was actually pretty good. That was really – I mean, you just launched into that, and it was just like, man, it was was from the heart. I loved it. John, get back up here, man. Well, that's great. That's great. I I mean, since you brought it up, um, Tony, you're really connected. Uh, at least to your neighborhood, I think. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us what, how that happened, and um, and and what what that what you're doing. Yeah, really. The um, so the the hyper local movement, you know, has really taken root in Portland, and um, but that was not really the thing that that sort of made myself and my household uh, localists. It really was. It was a spiritual journey we went on, and mm-hmm. um, and the pri- the primary motivation of the journey, honestly, well, twofold. One is, um, how do I live an integrated spiritual life, meaning where really the umbrella of my spirituality and the way of Jesus is really infecting every part of my life, and I just I found when I was hopping in my car to drive across town to go to church and hop in my car, drive across town to go to work, hop in my car, drive across town to work out, hop in my car mm. to go recreate, whatever, that each time it gave me the opportunity in my, in my pain, in my darkness, in my own mm. self-protection to sort of reinvent myself in the car and sort of appear in whatever personality I needed at that time to make sure that I was liked or make sure that um, mm. you know, people would validate me in that particular construct. And, and since all those different systems were separated from each other, I could live that, that schizophrenic life. Now, when you live in your neighborhood and you work, recreate, learn, live, you know, hang out with friends all within the same space, um, eat, shop, all within the same space, I'm seeing the same people all the time. The same mm-hmm. people that I work out with, that I shop next to, the people I shop next mm-hmm. to, the people that I work next to, and the people I recreate next to. And so I don't have the opportunity to kind of live to hide as easily. You can still hide. The humans are so good at it. I can still hide, but it's not as easy. So, and that self-protection, mm-hmm. that accountability from my neighbors, you know, I think so often the, one of the mistakes church people make is to separate the world out into who has the right to, to keep me accountable. And it only is people who have my particular religious tribe, and not only my tribe, but they have to be particularly mature, quote-unquote, people within that tribe. And I just think that's a denial of the universality of God, that God is in all places at all times, with the power to speak through anyone God wants to speak through. And my accountability, I can hang on my neighbors just as easily on a pastor or a small group leader. Wow. Who has the right to keep me accountable? Is that what right. you said? Right. Yep. Who has who uh, has the anointing from God? I would say. And how now? Now I am fascinated even by the question. Uh, because well, we're doing people, we're off to a good start, my friend. We are. And, you know, a lot of people don't uh, aren't even are, are even wanting to be accountable to anybody. 
much much less talking about who they're going to be accountable to, much right. less who has the right to be accountable. Um, yes. Wow. So answer answer the question again for us. Who who has the right to keep me accountable? Then you're, you're saying uh, my neighbors, anybody nearby. Yes, and let me let me take it one step farther. When I live a commuter consumer life, mm-hmm. um, part of the privilege that saturates me as a middle class white male in North America in the 21st century is I actually believe, left if left to myself, that I get to pick and choose the sorts of people that get to keep me accountable. And who will I choose? Inevitably, I'm going to choose people who look like me, mm-hmm. read like me, vote like me, think like me, believe like me, drive like me, spend like me, right? So if I'm never accountable to anyone different than me, let's say I'm middle class and I only make myself accountable to people who are also middle class, where is the challenge to how I use my money going to come from? Where is the challenge to be with the poor going to come from when we're all sort of protecting one another? We're all sort of in this social contract. So if I, when I when I'm accountable to my neighborhood, then therefore, if you're in my neighborhood, you have the right to speak into my life, and it's going to end up being a lot of people who are not like me, who don't mm. even like me, drive like me, and vote like me, and go to church like I do, and they're going to they're and see if I if I only do with people who are just like me, inevitably they're going to have all the same blind spots that I do mm-hmm. because they're just like me. If I surround myself with people who are not my race and not my culture and not my class and not my age. Mm-hmm. They are going to. I, there's a there's a much better chance that they are going to have sight where I am blind, because they come from a different spiritual, social, and cultural mm-hmm. construct. So there's real power in that, I think, for transformation. Yeah. Okay. Now that works in Portland. Uh, kind of. As as you've explained explained it a little bit to me. Yeah. But now you know for 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 most people in at least in suburban America, their neighborhood has already um, gentrified, right? I mean, right. it's it, it's going to be very much like them. So right. uh, it, it doesn't necessarily work, close proximity. How can I make, if that's my case, how can I make that work? Then am I going to have to look for ways to uh, become uh, vulnerable to people who are not like me? And, and how can I do that? Oh, it's an extremely painful process. Uh, yeah. the, the, as in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, the ripping off of the scales. Yeah. Extremely painful process. And it might mean that you have to move. It might mean you quit your job and you start working for half of what you make now in order to be in that neighborhood. It just might mean what it... For us, it's meant... Um, opening our home and living communally with other people, non-white middle-class people, in our mm-hmm. home every day, in our dish. And actually, Portland is a hyper-segregated city. Most people don't know that. We're one of the most segregated cities in North America, if not the most. So to mm-hmm. be integrated with people who are seriously different than you are takes work in this city, too. Right. I mean, I can be integrated with hipsters pretty easily, almost anywhere right. I go. But mm-hmm. African-Americans, to be integrated with African-Americans, who a uh, large percentage of my best friends are African-American, it is not easy. And it is God ripping the scales to get me into that space. Because wow. left to myself, I'll just hang out with people just like me. Right. Right. 
Well, we just jumped right into this, didn't we? Um, you know, so you, my goodness, you're talking about somebody uh, a change their change their whole life, basically. Potentially, potentially, if that's what God, uh, if that's part of the ripping of the scales for them, then that's uh, then yeah. I think we should invite yeah. that. You know, this this sort of um, easy, comfortable spiritual formation stuff at some point's got to end. You know, and uh, in Portland now that we're a post-Christian culture. And it's not it's not comfortable and easy to sort of just be a Sunday morning Jack Christian here. Yeah, uh, you know we're, we're kind of being those those things are being forced upon us. But uh, yeah, it's real. It's real. What we're being invited into is real. It's not it's not Disneyland and it's not Saturday morning cartoons if those existed anymore. Um, it's real. Are there some ways? Are there some ways someone could do this? Uh, you know, short of of uh, communal living or moving? I mean, <laughs> sure. Yes. 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 God's God's palette of creativity is as eternal as God is. So the number of ways God has the ability to invite each one of us into those sorts of relationships is unlimited. My imagination isn't that great, though. So <laughs> sometimes I have a hard time seeing other ways, but there are. There actually are. You never know how God's going to do it. Um, when we st- when we first started living communally, you know, we just and it wasn't even communally really. We were just renting out a couple rooms in our house, and we ended up uh-huh. re- renting them out to friends. And over the the first four or five years we did it, we looked around and every person who had lived in our home, every person, was white middle class college educated churchgoer. Mm-hmm. Every single one who had come through, proud mm-hmm. about our age, voted about the way we do, you know. And, and finally, my wife and I just begged for help. We were like, God, you've got, you've got to do something because we cannot get out of our own way. We are so addicted to living this way. We can't even attract mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. who's not just like us. And, and again, it's God's grace. One day on our front porch showed up a 280-pound Mexican-American who had heard me speak in Texas. And he knocked on the door and he said, hey, I heard you speak. Do you mind if I crash? For a day or two, I just moved to Portland. I'm trying to get my feet under me. And he stayed mm. with us for two years. And that was the first, oh. sort of our first thing. And then okay. since then, the vast majority of people who have come to our home have been non-white or non-middle class. or So I, I, I can't explain yeah. how it happened. Yeah, it yeah. Happened. Uh, Tony, what do you say to the people who who say, well, why, you know, why go to all that trouble? I mean, all these, all my neighbors that are like me need Jesus too. Sure. And, and I think, I think we can live, I think we can live a, a, a real Christian life within a suburban context. I think we can, I think there are some limitations. I think, I think that that's sort of um, where, where am I being challenged outside of my particular cultural construct? How do, where am mm-hmm. I getting challenged beyond this, my, um, my social contracts where we don't talk about, we don't challenge each other's use of money, for instance, is a huge one in American culture because our culture is driven by fear and it's driven by financial mm-hmm. security. So it's one of the things we're not allowed to confront one another on. You, know, you, can, right. you can confront each other on Internet use. You can confront each other on, you know, there are things, but that's one of the things we're not allowed to. And where is that going to happen if I'm just hanging out with upwardly mobile Suburbanites. Where is that going to happen? Mm-hmm. Wow. This is terrific. Gunner, feel free to chime in whenever you want to. Uh, 
You got it. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 getting personally too convicted to be even able to think of my next question. So uh, I'm sorry, guys. I dove in too fast. That's all it says. <laughs> hey, um, hey, guys. The Blazers are doing great. It looks like Lamarcus Aldridge is going to keep playing. Yep. We have real hopes for the playoffs. <laughs> that is good news. It is good. News. No, this is uh this is fascinating though because um that is that that's definitely one thing that's bothered me a lot is how 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 our churches and our places of worship and even the you know the people we talk to and and the books we read it's all so um homogeneous and um uh you know it, we're not we're not being forced out of our comfort zone by any way. Yeah. And uh, and so at least I would think um, what you're talking about here would would at least give somebody courage maybe to move out into an area or, you know, I mean, Gunnar, you're going you know, on Thursday nights, you're going down, you know, to the bridge, under the bridge, and, and uh, or, you know, maybe to get involved just... Uh, in in a group that's another group. It, it's just yeah, people for sure. who aren't. I mean, you know, I realized, for instance, that at one point um, I was so entrenched in the Christian community that when we uh, we had our third child, I was a little older and wiser. And uh, this time, I decided, hey, we're and instead of joining the church group, we're going to join the YMCA Indian Guides. You know, and that means I'm in with a whole bunch of regular guys and their kids, and we're going to Catalina Island and camping out. And you know, I'm meeting people who are not, not you know, they're not believers necessarily. Um, and uh, I was scared to death, to tell you the truth. You know, my first Catalina trip, I was scared to death, and I came. I, Marty tells a story about how I came sauntering in. You know. Uh, like you know, like I, I I knew the like I had the world on my tail, and that's just because I had such a good time, you know, and and I connected with people that I didn't know I could connect with, and uh, and I made some friends, and I, I broadened yeah. my understanding of what of humanity, and uh, yeah. of, you know, so that's a tiny tiny little thing, but uh, I, I think there are ways, I think there are ways we can do that. Um, just that take a little effort to step into another zone, perhaps. Yeah. And my, my encouragement there, I, I was teaching class today, and we had a, about a 40-minute conversation about the difference between charity and justice, and that our engagement with the world needs to be fueled by justice, not charity. And, and what and the, I'm using charity in the sort of the latter 20th century use of the word. It's a very condescending use mm-hmm. of the word. Um, and when, like, when Gunner talks about going under the bridge, um, I love it because he talks about going and spending time with his friends. He doesn't talk about, you know, I'm giving these things or those poor people. Yeah. Whatever. He's, talk, he's talking very sort of um, egalitarianly, if that's a word, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. His, inter- his interactions. You know, and mm-hmm. there's, he has such tremendous classism that we don't even realize we have in America and in my, in my heart that I see in my heart all the time. You know, to, to sort of refer to people in condescending terms and 
the mm. church teaches us that you know we're the dispensers of goods and services, and the world needs us. So there's there's nothing you know it doesn't go both ways. No, no yeah. God is the only dispenser yeah. of love and justice. We are all recipients you know, in sort of this play that's going on. And ultimately, I think if we can get to the point where we're actually submitted to people who are different than we are, they mm. actually have authority over our lives to sort of confront us or direct us or advise us on how we live, that's, that's a whole other level that um, wow. I don't think most people ever get a chance to experience. Wow. That is great. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's definitely something I learned when we got involved in a, uh, a shelter for women. Um, hmm. And, uh, you know, thinking we were going to go uh, it's my wife that got me going on this. And uh, that's what something, she just intuitively treated them like. She treated them with respect and dignity. And, uh-huh. and, and you know, we, we went once a month. That's all we did, once a month to, to provide a meal there. and But my wife, who is Miss Event Planner, turned each one of those nights into a huge gala event. I mean, <laughs> we put on a party. For these ladies, and so uh, great. they had a, they had a wonderful time. I, I just said, "Well, how are they going to take this?" Well, they just they just went with it. They had a great time, and mm-hmm. and you know, I think that's what I walked away with was what I got back. You know, what I got from from mm-hmm. them, and yeah, uh, so good. Wow. Yeah. Where have you? I know you've written a couple books. You've done that kind of stuff, but. Are you, are you, you know, is there something, if our listener wants to get into this a little deeper, um, have you, have you got a, something we can, we can go by and read? Boy, what comes to mind? Um, Wisdom for the Daily by Joan Chittister. Wisdom for the Daily is great. Okay. Or, um, the 12 Marks of a New Monasticism. Oh, you know what a great book would be? A really great book would be The New Parish. The New Parish, P-A-R-I-S-H, by Tim Sorens, Paul Sparks, and Dwight Friesen. Really a great book on locality and how um, being integrated with our neighbors, whomever they may be, is really uh, one of the great pathways of spiritual formation. Cool. Now, you get a chance to talk um, a lot out on the road, and I know you go uh, to a number of different colleges and universities. You're talking mostly to Christian kids, right? By and large, yeah, by and large. Sometimes I get opportunities in um, mixed Mm -hmm. or ecumenical contexts, but mostly Christian contexts. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, uh, do you talk about these things with these kids, and how do they they respond to this? They they they, uh, respond really well. I think we have a very activistic generation coming up. Cool. That, um, that I don't know that they can see between how they're living and what they hope for, but they but they hope for it all the same. And that's one thing I love. I love the way that mm. eyes light up in classrooms. I, and one of the things I really have been enjoying lately, and it, and it seems to have taken a turn in the last two years, are the, are the really good critical questions around this stuff. The very questions you were asking earlier, John, like how do we mm-hmm. really do this? What, like mm-hmm. like right. in the real world, what do we do? And um, and going okay, well, let's talk about that. Let's let's have a real honest conversation. You know, mostly that happens in classrooms. When I'm up on yeah. stage, 
I tend to talk more about um, honesty and authenticity in our faith. That tends to be my driving topic. That and the idea that God can speak through anyone. Those are sort of two topics that I that I focus on a lot from the stage on college campuses and always just been so well received. College students they want they want to believe they want to believe in a God who is on the move in all places at all times. A God who can who can speak through anyone, and that my faith is not defined by my external behaviors, but a an internal life that is really fueled by by a desire to be truthful. And that's mm-hmm. when, you know, I think, I think my generation was more inspired by how do I know the truth or how do I convince other people of the truth? And this yeah. is a generation that wants to actually be truthful within their inner person with, with their pain and their chaos as well as with their belief system. Like, how can I be truthful about it? And it's really, it's really a lovely, lovely conversation and journey. I'm, I'm actually, I am hopeful for this next generation quite a bit. What, what, what do you get from them in terms of uh, the environments they're coming out of? Um, are they, you know, are, are are their environments much more pharisaical? And uh, I, I don't know, I don't know quite how to frame this question, but um, are they, are they getting on to what you're saying? as an alternative to something that is different that they've grown up with? Is it that, are they having to go through some pretty big changes uh, in their formation? Or are they getting from their church, are they just, is this just, you know, the next step along the way that they're being led? Right, right. That's a great question. You see what I'm saying? Um, I do, I do. It's, so first of all, the context they're coming from, it's difficult for me to try and speak to that. Because um, yeah. I'm not there, I can't see it. And and college students and people in their young 20s, and really all the way up into their late 20s now, with the way our culture is going, and even into their earlier 30s, are in such a deconstructive cycle that there is sort of a, a need to sort of move, to sort of push away the past, even if maybe it was fairly healthy or uh, who knows? Uh-huh. You know, there is a sort of need. So I wouldn't want to make judgmentalism, use terms like pharisaical, because I don't know what, the, what they're really like. But I do see, this is what I do see in students, by and large. Again, it's this, this hope for something different, this desire to activistically move into cool. something more. And that, 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 that involves being with the poor. That involves engaging issues of injustice. That involves and getting beyond sort of uh, whatever culture they were raised in, um, and, and you know, sort of getting dirt under their fingernails in this very, very beautiful, complicated world that we live in. I do see that. Yeah, cool. And and then and see, I think. Um, and are you finding that some of the colleges are in support of that as well? Uh, faculty, administration, that, that they see some of their role is to help kids. Uh, maybe even deconstruct their faith to a certain extent and put it back together again? And yeah, as far as it doesn't, you know, and this is just honest, you know, this is just straight talk. As yeah. long as it doesn't hurt their um, relationship with the parents or right. with potential donors. <laughs> so on a lot of yeah. levels, they like shy 
like me coming in and standing on stage because they have exactly. plausible deniability. You know, what a great yeah. guy. We we really liked his books. But we didn't know how far he was going to go. You know, and sometimes I intentionally, <laughs> I'll even tell chaplains, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to talk about today. I'm giving uh-huh. you plausible deniability because I'm going to go someplace with the students. I'm going to ask something of them. Like there's, I do these, these reality treks, I call them, cool. with students where I will... I'll talk on a topic like authentic faith and I'll get to the end and I'll have them all turn in the room to one another, mm-hmm. looking at one another and not me. And I'll read a series of statements and I'll have them all raise their hands. that The statement is true of them right in the wow. room. Right. And invite them into authenticity right there. Can you give examples? I'm not sure. I still believe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I still believe in God. Oh, I see. That's a statement. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a statement. Or okay, um, uh, let me think of another one. Uh, I feel dumb, <laughs> and have them respond to that. Um, I no longer, I no longer hold to the belief system that I was raised in. Would be a, mm-hmm. maybe another one. And then sometimes when I can get students, like for a more extended period of time, we'll get into everything. From body issues to criminal behavior to addictions to sexual experimentation, um, all 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 carefully worded, all carefully worded, mm-hmm. where no one's being asked to sort of like expose something very very sort of graphic, but mm-hmm. you know, so I have I have I have expressed myself in a physical or sexual way past a line I always said I would never cross, for instance. Wow. That line could be anywhere. You know, that line could be kissing for somebody. But ask, say, you know, Mm -hmm. can you say this? And I really want students to see they're not alone. Because I think that darkness, that I'm the only one, um, is a prison for so many young people. Yeah, well, especially especially in a Christian context where there are expectations on your belief. Yeah. For sure. That's fabulous. I like that. Can I steal that? (laughs) <laughs> you wouldn't be the first, my friend. You wouldn't be the first. And you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. I, I originally yeah. got that idea. I mean, the, I, not the idea, but the thing that led to mm-hmm. me thinking of that idea was yeah. my friend Tom Prattenmaker, who's a secular progressive, to be a youth pastor in a Unitarian church. Oh and they God. used to do activities like that in their Unitarian context. And he was telling me about it. He's, he's one of my very, very dear friends. He's now the um, director of communications for... Uh, Yale Divinity School. My goodness. And um, th- he was the one. So there's nothing new under the sun, my friend. Steal away. I steal yeah. from Unitarians. You steal from me. <laughs> I mean, this, this is what I mean. God shows up anywhere, man. God shows up anywhere if we're listening. Do you have Do you have lots of friends who aren't Christians, Tony? Tons. Several and of my best friends are not Christians. Matter of fact, my very best friend is not a Christian. Okay. I can't and and uh, tell me what that relationship is like. Uh, well, oh, here's here's the great. This is really old. The great old Christian uh, question is, oh, then what do you have in common? <laughs> oh, so much. <laughs> just just to paint that a little bit for me, though, uh, the reality of how you respect each other and how does that how does that work? Yeah, I I even just find that statement. So bizarre, so bizarre. It's, it's almost offensive. It's just like, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. We no, we I, have absolutely everything in common. We have everything in common because. So here you go. 
C.S. Lewis said in The Four Loves, said, the essence of spiritual friendship is not that you have all the same answers, is that you love the same questions. That mm. is the essence of spiritual friendship. Mm. So mm. with my friends who are not Christians and many of my friends who are Jesus followers but would never call themselves a Christian because the, the word has become offensive to them, what do we agree on? We agree on everything. The question of what does it mean to be a person of character and to live that way in the world? What does it mean to be just in our use of money, our use of time, our use of relationship, our use of our power and our privilege? We all care about that. What does it mean mm-hmm. to live a life of beauty in the world? What does it mean to pursue truth? What does it mean to love your neighbor? What does it mean to be a good husband? These are all things that we all care about very, very deeply. What does it mean to love the earth and to be interact and to be engaged with the soil and with critters and with, and with the mm-hmm. plants? What does that look like? These are questions that my friends, one of my best friends um, left Christianity. He was raised in Christian, what I would call Christian royalty. His father worked in very high up in an organization that we've all heard of. Okay. Mm-hmm. He lived mm-hmm. his life in that organization. He has left it. Mm-hmm. He no longer would identify with Jesus or the church on any level. He calls mm-hmm. himself a naturalist now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His faith is really about the, the the created world. He's one of my dearest friends. We talk about everything. There's nobody that I trust more with like talking about my career and um, sort of moving forward and how to be an honest, authentic voice as an author. He has more to offer to me in that area than almost any of my friends. Tony, help us because we're not real good at this. How how do you develop that? How how do you uh, what, is it, what does it take from you to allow that person to be who they are a, a, as a non-believer? Yeah. Okay. So, again, ripping of the scales. For me to get to this point, when I was, 20, when I was 21 years old, three and a half weeks out of college, I climbed on a fl- plane. I moved to the Muslim world. I lived with a Muslim family for two years. They, had, they treated me like a son. They loved me like a son. They embraced me on a way I had never experienced before. Mm. My grandmother, my, my Albanian grandmother, Muslim woman, loved me in a way that I had not experienced almost anywhere else in my life. Unbelievable. So one way to sort of get over those is why don't you go across the world and live with a Muslim family for two years? And that, <laughs> um, that may not be the most convenient thing to do for most people. Yeah. Um, sure so how do... Yeah, short of that, exactly. But I'm I'm being honest. Like that, this yeah. is what God was with me was like, and I'm particularly hard headed. God knows that. So mm-hmm. my experiences are extreme because I think I need them. I think other people can like have epiphanies much more easily than I can. Uh, so, um, well, so, here, so let me put it this way. I'm talking about this guy. He says you're best friend. How how did you yeah. become? How did how did you get to be best friend? Okay. <laughs> okay, so um, the guy I was talking about who was raised in Christian royalty, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I met him in a park. In a park. He and I met, started chatting. Did I lose you guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys still there? I'm sorry, oh, yeah. I thought I lost you. Um, yeah. Anyway, so we met in a park. Uh, there, there was a group. We had a, we had a spiritual community that met in our home. And he came and joined the picnic. And then the next week he showed up. Mm-hmm. And he just started hanging out with us. And then one day he moved into our house. 
because we had a bed free. This is kind of one of the first people who came in. It was very different than we are. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we just, we just kind of sort of built a, I mean, that's, I mean, how does it happen? Sometimes it just happens when you live a life that's available. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are certainly ways to, um, to make friends. It's just Christian culture to me, church, I sorry, church culture sometimes is ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. Um, our, like we create church softball leagues because yeah. heaven forbid I would play softball with someone who believes differently than I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is no wonder we have a hard time making friendships. You know, but yeah. we have these concepts. You know, you, every 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 town in America has city-sponsored softball leagues. Go play in that league. Hang out every Thursday evening with a bunch yeah. of your neighbors and swing a baseball bat and go get a beer or a cup of coffee or whatever after the game's over and hang out with them. Don't play yeah. on a church softball league and then complain to me that you don't have any non-Christian friends. It's like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. You, mm-hmm. Every neighborhood in America has a neighborhood association of some kind. They have a PTA. They have these, these, these existent mechanisms that are just begging you to get involved and as involved as you possibly want to be. But no, I'm only allowed to volunteer at my church because I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm only allowed to give money to my church because I'm a Christian. And it's like, are you, mm-hmm. it's, it's baffling to me. And it's a denial yeah. of the incarnation. It's a denial of John chapter one is what mm-hmm. it is. For the mm-hmm. word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood um, in the message translation. Mm-hmm. Moved into the neighborhood. Do we, it's not hard to engage those who are different. It's just, it's a willingness. It's a removing the blinders that say, I have to be involved with only things that are Christian um, for my own sort of spiritual good. And that's just, that's a denial of the New Testament in my observation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. But, but Tony, it's it's just such a, you're, you're talking, you're coming from a whole different worldview than a lot of Christians, I think. And, um, boy, uh, and, and how many years, you know, uh, the, your own process. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm it, 44 uh, now. It, yeah, that's amazing. And, 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 and but, but we can start and, and I, that's what I'm fishing for. I'm fishing for where can we start? What, you know, and, and what elements does it take from you? Like, I, I'm assuming it takes some sense of respect. And uh, and and allowing a person to believe whatever it is that they want to believe, and maybe yeah. even a, a, and finding out about. I mean, getting right. into it. What what really is that like? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, uh, so there's a book called The Anatomy of the Soul by Kurt Thompson. If if any of your listeners love um, like neurology and relationship and spirituality, you need to read this book. And Kurt says that there's nothing more transformative than, than empathetic listening. Nothing builds neurological pathways more quickly than when somebody uh, sits and just empathically yeah. listens to another person. It's incredibly yeah. powerful. It's incredibly transformational in a person's life. And so if we just sit with people and let them tell their story, including their belief system, when somebody gives you their belief system, think what they're handing to you, how precious it is. It's their values. It's their belief. It is the internal scaffolding upon which they build their life. It's incredibly wow. precious thing. Even if you disagree with it, I mean, even if you disagree, just just the fact that they would, <coughs> excuse me, 
Mm-hmm. They would tenderly share that with you. What a mm-hmm. gift. What a gift. And if I'm not sitting there thinking in my mind how to counterpoint all the things that they're saying, if I'm just being present, listening yeah. to a story being told to me, yeah. um, what a, that person, an incredible gift. And Kurt, in, in Anatomy of the Soul, Kurt says that the, um, that the only thing we've found that's more powerful in building neurological pathways and spiritually transforming someone's mind, growing someone's mind, than then empathic listening, like having somebody listen to you, is if you're the listener. The listener is transformed as well. The listener's brain fires in a way that's a, that, that brings wholeness and healing to the brain. And um, so when we just sit and listen to somebody and do that, and you know what? I am not the most important character in my spiritual story, in my own spiritual story. Hmm. The Holy Spirit's the most important character in my spiritual story. Why do I think I'm the most important character in the other person's spiritual story? <laughs> like, the Holy Spirit's got a whole lot of work to do, and I don't have to connect the dots for people. I don't have to. Now, do, do yeah. I explain my faith and invite people to follow Jesus every day? I don't think we talk about Jesus enough. I don't think we share the gospel enough. I think we should be talking to our neighbors every day about what we believe. But I'm not responsible to talk to them or responsible to convince them of anything. That's not my job. My job mm-hmm. is to live honestly and authentically as a spiritual being in front of my neighbors. That's my job. So, yeah, listen to them. Uh, get to know them. Value what they have to say and what they believe. Find them fascinating. If you find them fascinating, they'll find you fascinating. If I find them as just somebody to, to argue with and convince of something, they're probably going to mm-hmm. treat me the same way. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is this is wonderful. Yeah, and we didn't even get to talk about your new book, but uh, maybe well, let's do that. Man. We can yeah, do we... that just at the very end. <laughs> yes, we can do that. Um, uh, but I just need to tell you that this has really been great, and uh, we're going to we we just have to have you back again because we just scratched the surface, and uh, there's so much so much here that I want my people to be, you know, I say my people, I'm sorry, but whoever, you know, whoever's involved with, with our catch ministry, uh, I just long for them to be exposed to people like you because this is, this is where I want to go. These are the, these are, this is the way I want to learn to think. And, um, you know, I've, I've got, I've got some beginnings, but, uh, you know, you've got a lot you can teach me. And so uh, I'm excited about that. So your latest book is called Aloof. And can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, so the book is called Aloof, Figuring Out Life with a God Who Hides. And, and what Aloof is trying to do, it's, it's memoir, is I'm just talking through my suspicious encounters with God and the long silences. And when I say silences, I mean like God being tangible a sense of where I really have a sense, a tangible sense of God being present. I think most people, most Christians live a life um, where God almost never shows up for them in a tangible way. And yet they don't feel like they don't have permission to talk about it, to just describe Mm -hmm. their actual experiences with God. So what the book's trying to do is sort of uh, give, like release people to actually talk about their experiences with God. And uh, there's a lot of fun stories in it. And I think it's a fairly entertaining book, but it's also a really honest book about what it's like for a guy like me in the 21st century living in Portland, Oregon, to try and encounter God. And so and there's, um, it, it starts out with, the, um, with my four-year-old nephew contracts cancer. So it does talk some about tragedy and what do we do about where is God and pain. 
Um, mm-hmm. But there's also where it's not, and you know, enjoy and celebration too. Hmm. Wow. What's that subtitle again? Aloof, That's... figuring out life with a God who hides. I love that. Good. Uh, you know, I, there's a one of my favorite verses is um, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter to search out a matter as the glory of kings. Mm. It's a it's a proverb which even yeah. says it's part of part of God's glory is to hide and uh and, and our nobility be in seeking to seeking right. him out. So it's uh it's 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 such a cool invitation, yeah. you know, that 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 God is doing that with us even because he Yes. Isn't it? I take it that he wants us involved. He wants us into it. He wants us coming after him. Yes. Yes. Would you? Yeah. yeah. And my and my petulance to when it doesn't happen the way that I want it to happen to sort of want to take my spiritual ball and go home. And God's just going, <laughs> no, this is it. I'd search for me. Search. Let's yeah. let's let's keep dancing. Let's keep dancing together. <laughs> Fabulous. Tony, thank you so much. We'll, thank we you. Will do this, we will do this again, I'm sure. And, I hope so. Uh, for, and we're going to look up your books, and uh, this was great. For our listeners, Aloof, once again, Aloof. Figuring out, life with a God, figuring out life with a God who hides. Figuring out life with a God who hides. Okay, you guys. If your listeners want to track me down, TonyChris.com or on Twitter, at TonyChris. TonyChris, that's T-O-N-Y-K-R-I-Z. Correct. Okay, you guys, you got it. There it is. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Good to spend time with you. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for – enjoy your kids. Get back to your kids. Sorry I I put you away. (laughs) All right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Gunner. Johnny. Wow. <laughs> you know, you know those times when, when someone says a quote that is just so profound that it just resonates so deeply. And you just, for me, I just break out into laughter. I had to have myself on mute that whole conversation. Cause there was some, just, <laughs> there were some really, really, really rich things that Tony was talking about. And I just started laughing because it, it just, it hit me and it just resonated. And, what a beautiful, um, what a beautiful, honest conversation, and I, that's actually one of been one of my favorites that we've had. I, I, I do look forward to, to, to listening to that one uh, several times. Yeah, yeah, me too. And you know I, what I like is that he, he's he's really coming from a different place. Yeah, I, he is. Mm. He's 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 got, like I say, he's got a different worldview and i think i i think i you know we have this thing we talk so much about worldview and and, yeah. and then we talk about christian worldview yeah. and we have this really stodgy idea of what a christian worldview is and mm. um it, it, so often it's it, it's mine the christian worldview is my worldview yeah <laughs> you know? well and, sure uh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, when he was talking about the, the students that he speaks to, you know, I mean, the different generations. I mean, like we feel like from our generation to, to have to convince people of the truth. But, you know, now coming out of just simply just being that truth, you know, and, mm-hmm. and living in such a way. And, you know, it reminds me a lot of, you know, uh, you know, this whole idea of being pro-people. I'm going to meet people where they're at, not necessarily where I'm at. I'm be me and live my life as, you know, in truth and honesty, as he talks about. Um, so many, you know, uh, th- there's, there's just a lot in that. I mean, what's, I mean, John, really... You know, and what we're talking about with the gospel of welcome and and uh, grace turned outward. Where's the bridge? I mean, I mean, this really connects well, doesn't it? Oh yeah, oh, of course it does, because it's truth. And yeah. and and but this bridge takes us takes us out of all that sameness. It, yeah. it takes us out of uh, it, it, it's 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 a bridge across into some pretty scary territory. But yeah. um, but but that which is going to enrich our lives and and make us so much broader and and deepen our understanding of God and and the places where we can go and the people we can talk to and 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 the way the Holy Spirit can use us yeah you know it uh, I I love that you know and you know that's the way it's going to be when we get to heaven it's not heaven is not going to be just a, a bunch of white folks singing hymns you know <laughs> yeah no, it's uh, you're absolutely right, and uh, you know I just want to say too, John. You know, for for our listeners, um, we're going to be going back, um, and uh, we're going to be uh, we'll, we'll we'll edit down in the beginning part of the the, the podcast mm-hmm. tonight and, uh, to some of the technical difficulties that we had. We'll go ahead and we're going to be cleaning that up a little bit here, and we'll repost the uh, the podcast as well in its entirety. And uh, but it is up live as soon as it shows up tonight. You can listen to it as is. And um, and uh, de- definitely let us know what you think. If you're listening to the, the podcast uh, tonight or tomorrow, whenever, let us know what you think. And please go to TonyKriz.com. Get aloof. Check out what he's up to. He's got some great things happening. And, uh, John, I think you're right. We we need to find a way to let's get Tony back on the show here and, yeah. and talk more. Yeah. And um, I think we could have some – I think we can really, really see some uh, yeah. people's lives really begin to open up. Yeah, well, thank you, uh, Gunnar, because you, you turned us on to this guy, so I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get his book for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, he's I like that he's got and he's got a handle on some of the younger generation. Um, yeah. That uh, that I don't want to lose either. So yeah. it's exciting. Well, it's been a, a great night. It's has been in in, in love on Portland. It's a, another Portland night for you, John. <laughs> we got to get you up here to hang out with us. And, and, uh, you know, we have the Chamber of Commerce Portland official spokesman here with uh, Tony, and, yeah. and I'll do I'll do my best. And, there you uh, go. We'll get you up here and we'll have a good time. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, are you about ready to to land the plane? I'm going to land the plane. Uh, I think we'll land the plane. I'm going to see if I can cue up something that's very Portlandia-ish in honor of it. Um, yeah, oh. here's a little. Uh, the Decemberists, the Portland band, they got a new record out. We'll uh, land the plane with Calgary Captain. How's that sound, John? <laughs> it sounds great. It sounds great. All right, John, we'll see you in the morning on the catch, johnfisher.wordpress.com. Thank you, everybody. Thank you again, Tony. <laughs>